And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with Miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. And comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's the conclusion to The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix from 1951. Then it's another strange and terrifying tale with a twist ending, as told by The Whistler from 1947. And by my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. What's new from Hollywood? Well, we've got Kevin Nealon joining the cast of Matt LeBlanc's CBS sitcom, Man with a Plan. Uh-huh. So all the rage, sort of, uh, this fall is uh, Matt LeBlanc again. Um, he's had a few sitcoms, uh, but this one's called Man with a Plan. Starts this fall, he will be the man with the plan. Right. And Kevin Nealon is cast as his older brother and business partner. This will debut October 24th on CBS. And um, the premise of this is that Matt learns that raising his kids is more challenging than he originally expected when his wife goes back to work after being a stay-at-home mom of So kids years. are tough to deal with and hard to raise? Isn't that a shocker? Really? Really? And you have four, who, I have three. Who hasn't gone through that, really, where their wife, that's I don't know, new, they that's... grow up, they start to work, and that's the premise of the show. Oh. But that's the big buzz, is uh, Kevin His Nealon wife goes and, back to work, and yep. then he helps raise the kids, and... This got greenlit? Yes. Okay. This is it. So then you wonder, right? I should create television shows. Maybe you should. Maybe. Yeah, of course. We it wouldn't attach- pay as well as this, though, I'm sure. No, of course not. But we attach these names and uh, people will go. watch. All right. It's time now. Thanks, Lisa, for the conclusion to The Life of Riley. Riley and the Kiss in the Dark. We started this last time. Here's the conclusion to The Life of Riley. Yours truly, Chester Riley. There, I don't want to do the trick. I better send a special delivery. Uh, let's see, I haven't got enough stamps. Well, maybe Gillis has some. Oh, hi, Daddy. Hi, Pop. Where are you going? Uh, just over to Gillis's. I'll be right back. Hey, who's been using my typewriter? Oh, you and your precious typewriter. Well, nobody's allowed to use that typewriter without my permission. Well, don't yell at me. I guess Pop was using it. I wonder what he was typing. He never writes letters. That... Babs, look at this. What's the matter? This letter. Pop wrote it. Well, what about it? Dear Luella, it's too risky to come to your house. People might see me. So I'm writing to say, Luella, no more kissing. It's got to stop. I know you're only staying in town because of me, but take my advice and forget me. That's life. No use trying to get me to go south with you. Yours truly, Chester... Oh, Junior, how could he? How could he? What does it mean? (laughs) What do you think he means? Your father's been carrying on with with that horrible woman. Pop? 
He's your father, too. Poor mother. After she slaved and sacrificed for him all these years, he, he cast her aside like an old shoe. And only this morning she was telling me how she trusted him. Oh, the poor, innocent darling. Pop? <laughs> and Luella? It's all here in black and white, isn't it? Oh, I guess so, yeah, but... Gee, how could he do a thing like that? She is pretty. Oh, she's horrible. Now, listen, we've got to show this letter to Mother. You think we should? Well, yes, she has a right to know. Well, how are you going to get hold of it? He's going to mail it. Well, I'll think of something. Maybe I could... Oh, watch it. Here's Pop. Oh, you still here? I just went over to Gillis's to get a stamp for my letter and... My letter. You read my letter. Well, what letter? Whew. <laughs> uh, nothing. Uh, just a letter. I better get it off right away. Where's the envelope? Oh, here. Luella Lounsbury? Why are you writing her? <laughs> Luella? Uh, uh, what makes you think I'm writing to her? Her name's on the envelope. Oh. Well, you see, I was writing to her because... Well, you see... Uh, uh, the mailman. Give me the letter. I'll give it to him to mail. Okay. No! Wait! Bibbs! Come back with that letter! What's the matter with you, Junior? Why are you staring at me like that? Pop? <laughs> huh? Daddy. Listen, Babs, what's the idea? Here's the mail, Daddy. Oh, the mail. Let me see it. I'm expecting... Oh, here it is. Uh, you uh, expecting an important letter? No, 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 no. Nothing important. Excuse me. This is private. <clears throat> Dear Mr. Riley, we have received your check for the Madame Julia Charm Course... And in a few days, Mrs. Riley will receive the first lesson. Oh, that's great. Good news, Father. Well, uh, yes. Uh, oh, I may as well tell you, but, but it's a secret. You see, your mother, uh, well, she ain't as young as she used to be. She, she's still very good looking, but, well, you know, time marches on. <laughs> Daddy, what are you trying to say? Well, now, all this is on the QT, uh, but the fact is, uh, very soon you're going to have a new mother. Slimmer and prettier? You see, I... No, I'd better not tell you anymore. You'll spill the beans. Oh, oh you're horrible. You're horrible. Well, oh, Babs, Junior, what was... Don't talk to me ever again. Babs. I don't want to talk to you either. What did I say? Junior, listen, wait a minute. Where is he? In the kitchen. Okay, listen. I've still got that letter. I, I don't know what to do. I thought you gave it to the mailman. No, I just pretended to so I could get hold of it. You didn't show it to Mom? No, it'll just break her heart. What do you think? Well, in the letter he says he wants to break off with her. We'll give him one more chance. For poor Mother's sake. If he stays away from that, that creature, we won't say anything to her. But we've got to watch every move he makes. Don't worry, I'll get my gang. We'll tail him in ships, and if he makes one false move, we'll put the finger on him. Don't let on to Mother that we... Shh, watch it, here he comes. Oh, is that you there, Peg? Oh, oh, it's you. Listen, I want to talk to you, too. Now, wait a minute, come back here. Why are you acting like this? I didn't do nothing. Don't think we don't know what's going on. Yeah, so watch your steps, see? Oh, oh they know. Gillis, stay out there. I gotta talk to you. What's wrong? You're pale as a goat. Hey, did Big fight up? 
Oh, but the kids did. How? I don't know. Maybe they read the letter I wrote to Luella. You wrote to her? Yeah. You put it in writing? Oh, now you're cooked. Did Luella answer your letter? No, and it's two days already. Maybe she left town. No, no, I seen her in the yard this morning. Uh-oh. Riley, she's up to something. Uh, what'll I do? I can't stand this anymore. Oh, you gotta go see her now. Make an end to her. You're right. Once and for all. Oh, why did this have to happen to me? Why was I cursed with this fatal charm? <laughs> Well, I gotta talk to you. Uh, Chester, I haven't got time for chit chat now. I'm in the middle of my packing. You're leaving? If I ever get my packing done, I've just got 45 minutes to catch my plane. You got my letter. You got my letter. Would you stop babbling about letters? If you want to make yourself useful, help me pack. I've got so many things and I just haven't got enough suitcases. Oh, I'll never get everything packed in time. Oh, what's the use? It's hopeless. No, 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 Luella, you gotta go. But there's no time. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll borrow Gillis's car and drive you to the airport. You just gotta go, Luella. You just gotta go. Can you see them, Junior? Can you see them? Yeah, I see them. But what are they doing? It looks like they're packing. Packing? <laughs> what are they saying? Can you hear? No. Oh, oh, yes, I can. Shh. You just gotta go, Luella. You just gotta. But there are all these things to pack. Don't worry. I'll run home and get a suitcase. Don't worry. We'll make that plane. <gasps> they're running away together. Pop and Luella? Mother! Mom! Mother! What's the matter? You poor thing. You gave him the best years of your life, and now... Oh, Mother! Will you stop and tell me what this is all about? Daddy, he's running away with that Wait a minute. One at a time. Daddy's running away with that Luella. Their plane leaves in 45 minutes. What? She's hysterical. Junior, slap her face. Oh. Now, no, wait a minute. I'm not hysterical. That's the funniest thing I ever heard of. But it's true. She's running away with him. Oh, now, Babsy, I, I love your father. But believe me, women don't run away with him. They run away from him. <laughs> going on behind your back, but now he's going away with her. Now, stop it, Babs. Now, this has gone far enough. We've got proof. Here, here, look at this letter he wrote. What letter? Where'd you get this? He wrote it to her. I intercepted it. No more kissing. It has got to stop. Well, now will you believe us? Their plane leaves in 45 minutes. We heard him planning the whole thing. Pop's on his way here to get his suitcase. A suitcase? I don't believe it. I... I just don't believe it. Oh, Peg. Uh, Riley, yeah. I want to talk to you. Yeah, well, there's no time now. Where's my suitcase? we got to make that plane. <laughs> Chester, Riley. Now, Peg, i got to go. We, we... Junior, lock the door. Okay, Mom. Now, just a minute. Stay we're... where you are. And there's no use trying to get out the window. My gang's got the house surrounded. See? <laughs> what is this? Is that my son, Junior, or Humphrey Bogart? What's going on here? That's what I'd like to know. Did you write this letter? I did. Oh, 
Oh, now, wait a minute, Peg. I can explain the whole thing as soon as I get back. You're not going anywhere. You'll explain now. Now, Peg, believe me, there's nothing between Luella and me. I'm innocent. It's all her fault. She done it. The night of the party when the lights went out. She kissed me in the dark. What? Uh, She kissed you? But, Mother, you said I'll, I'll do the talking, Babs. So, Luella kissed you. Yeah. Can I help it if I attract women to me like a maggot? (laughs) Believe me, I didn't enjoy that kiss one bit. Oh, you didn't enjoy it? No, not one bit. Her long, pointy nose. Almost knocked my eye out. It was like kissing Cyrano de Bergerac. Didn't do a thing to me. It was a kiss like 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 uh, like a dying halibut. Oh, it was, huh? A dying halibut, huh? Exactly. Why, you, you, I was the one who kissed you that night. Yeah, you see. Huh? You kissed me? Yes. What a revolting development this is. Why didn't you tell me? I, I, I went through all this. I'm going crazy trying to get Lowell out of town because I thought that... Oh. Daddy, you mean you're not running away with Luella? Of course not. What a revolting development this is. <laughs> Well, is your girlfriend gone? Yeah, we just made the plane. And she ain't my girlfriend. Well, I don't know. That letter wouldn't look so good in court. Now, Peg, don't talk like that, even in a joke. You you know you're the only girl I've got. (laughs) I'm only kidding. (laughs) Give me a kiss, huh? Well, I don't know. You know, I kiss like a dying halibut. (laughs) You know I didn't mean that. Come on, huh? Well, all Mm -hmm. right. Well? Oh, poor Luella. She'll never get me now. Hey, uh, Riley. Lover boy. That's me. (laughs) Riley, I must apologize to you. I never realized you were such a stimulating kisser. Oh, well, Harry, after all, not everybody's got a kisser like I got. Well, now, Riley, yeah. look, just between you and mm-hmm. me, what kind of kisses do you like best? Oh, well, I like the kind when those burning lips of mine press against a cool, foaming glass of Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Oh, I'm drinking in every word, Riley. Okay, what do you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon, finest beer served anywhere. Pabst Blue Ribbon invites you to join us again next week to hear the life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley. The script is by Reuben Shipp and Alan Lipscott. Direction by Mitch Lindemann. Mrs. Riley is Paula Winslow. Gillis is John Brown. Babs is Barbara Eiler. Junior is Bobby Ellis. Luella is Shirley Mitchell. The Life of Riley is produced by Irving Brecker. 
The Life of Riley is brought to you by the Pabst Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and sent your way with the best wishes of the Pabst Blue Ribbon dealers from coast to coast. This is Harry Bonzel saying hope you can be with us. Bill Stern tells a story from history next over many NBC stations. And that's the life of Riley, April 20th, 1951. Riley in the kiss in the dark. Also in the cast, uh, besides William Bendix, is Paula Winslow, Barbara Eiler, Shirley Mitchell, and John Brown with Harry Von Zell announcing. Sponsored by Paps Beer, as heard on NBC. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360. To my right, Lisa Wolf. To my left, Mike Costella. And it's time now for The Whistler. This is a terrific episode from May 26, 1947. It's called Fateful Friday. It stars Bill Foreman as The Whistler in the cast Herb Butterfield and Jack Moyles. Part one now of The Whistler. The Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. That whistle is your signal for the Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. I am the Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Yes, friends, it's time for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler. Rated by independent research, the most popular West Coast program in radio history. And Signal Gasoline is tops, too. Tops in quality. It takes extra quality, you know, to give you extra mileage. And Signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. So look for the Signal circle sign in yellow and black that identifies friendly, dealer-owned Signal service stations from Canada to Mexico. And now, the Whistler's strange story. Fateful Friday. Friday, May 16th, seemed like any one of the 512 Fridays Mr. Brown had spent as an employee of Crandall and Ames, certified public accountants, with a morning ride to his office on the crowded subway, deadly hours over an adding machine, interrupted only by the usual cheese on rye and glass of milk in the company cafeteria. The ride down from the 40th floor of the Crandall building in the crowded elevator at three minutes past five after his work was over. And the usual Friday remarks to his fellow employees. Night, Brown. Night, George. Have a nice weekend. Same to you. See you Monday, Frank. Yeah, another day, another dollar. (laughs) Same floor. Night, Steve. Say hello to your family. And as usual on Fridays, Mr. Brown... You weave through the crowd in the lobby to the door of the gourmet, a rather elegant tobacco, liquor, and food shop. 
a glittering storehouse of delicacies, of fine wines and good living. Ah, good evening, Mr. Brown. Good evening, Elsie. Glad you stopped in tonight. I was going to call your office. We've just got a shipment of French champagne, Verve Clicquot. Oh, Verve Clicquot, good. What vintage? 1929. Mm, 1929, not bad. But there are better vintages, Elsie. 1921, that's the vintage I'm looking for. Um, you'll let me know, of course. Of course, Mr. Brown. Now, uh, here's something you've asked about. A jar of that very fine caviar. Yes, let's see it. Hmm. Elsie... Encased within every one of these tiny eggs is a paradise of exquisite flavor. Ah, yes. Here we really have something. Uh, uh, just uh, hold that for the time being. Certainly, Mr. Brown. And uh, here are some of those clear Havanas that just came in. Two dollars special. Yes, I see. Tell you what, Elsie. Just for tonight, why, why don't, don't you, you give me a couple of those two for 15 cent tampas? <laughs> those things you say, Mr. Brown, like uh, there was too much rain in 1929 for good champagne and so on. Are they true? <laughs> Any true connoisseur knows there were 27 inches of rain that year. Too much for good champagne. But I don't understand how somebody like you, I mean... You mean, why does a man who earns $45 a week bother to learn about things he'll never be able to afford? I don't know, Elsie. But doesn't it make you unhappy, knowing and not having? I'm going to have it someday, Elsie. You know, someone said a man can have anything he wants if he wants it bad enough. And I do. And that's the first portion of The Whistler with Fateful Friday, starring Bill Foreman. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's the conclusion to The Whistler. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to The Whistler. Yes, that's the cross you bear, isn't it, Mr. Brown? Trying to reconcile the appetites of a gourmet with a bookkeeper's budget. With a drab bachelor apartment you come home to after a stifling ride on the subway. And yet, dull as it seems, this Friday is a remarkable one. Set apart in a curious way from all the other Fridays in your uneventful little life. As the kind of a day that will prove exciting things can happen even to people like you. As you walk into your apartment building, you have no way of knowing, of course, that in reaching into your mailbox in the lobby, you're putting your hand on something that will change your whole life. A moment later, you toss your hat on the table in the living room, slit open the largest and fattest of the envelopes in your mailbox. It's then that you see it and clutch the table for support as a cascade of currency pours out onto the floor. Then find yourself on your knees, staring at it, feeling it and counting. Thousand, two, five, seven. You go on counting, piling it up. Eighteen thousand thirty. And then a scribbled note. Here is the forty grand. Good luck. Mike. Forty. 
Forty thousand. But where did it... In my mailbox. You study the envelope. There are no stamps, no return address. Someone obviously dropped the money in your box by mistake. You shove the money aside, leave your apartment, and go back to the lobby, trying to make sense out of it, knowing the money can't belong to you. The answer is there waiting for you on the row of mailboxes, particularly on the card on the end, with a newly penciled notation over apartment 12. Another William Brown. You stand there a moment, staring blankly at the card. Then, without quite knowing why, you find yourself walking upstairs, on up to apartment 12, just above yours. And even as you ring the buzzer, something inside is telling you of the doors that money could open, of the new world waiting for you if you had the nerve, of how easy it would be with $40,000 in cash, unmarked, with no strings attached. Excuse me, I, I'm afraid I have the wrong apartment. Well, the voice inside was a telling one, wasn't it, Mr. Brown? You've made your decision now, and you know there's only one way to go from here on. You forget about dinner, sit alone in your apartment for the next two hours looking at the money, wondering what you're going to say when the man upstairs starts asking questions. Your first impulse is to move out of the apartment, but you decide it's best for the moment to stay, to go on as usual as if nothing had happened, to give the man upstairs as little reason as possible to suspect you. And then, just after eight o'clock... Oh, uh, just a minute. Uh, Yes? Uh, Mr. Brown? That's right. Uh, sorry to bother you. My name's Brown, too. I just moved in a few days ago. Oh? I uh, was worried that you might be inconvenienced. That's quite a coincidence, you know. What do you mean? It seems there's not only two Browns in the building. There's two William Browns, too. We got the same first name. Well, that is odd. <laughs> uh, you know, I uh, got a bunch of noisy friends. I hope they haven't been disturbing you, coming here by mistake. Oh, no. And as a matter of fact... Until the mailman gets onto it, I'm liable to get some of your mail and uh, uh, vice versa. It hasn't happened so far. I wouldn't let it bother me if I were you. Ah, I see. You know, uh, once in a while I get something kind of important, uh, business stuff and all. I wouldn't want to see anybody make a mistake. Oh, no. You know, a little thing like that can be pretty serious sometimes. But with the postal authorities and all... Now, see here, are you implying that no, I no, might... No, 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 don't get me wrong. Just thought a friend of mine might have got mixed up. You know how it is. I'm expecting an important envelope from him. Uh, just forget it, Mr. Brown. Good night. Good night, Mr. Uh, Brown. Forty thousand dollars. <laughs>
it was a fateful Friday, wasn't it, Mr. Brown? The simple mistake at the apartment house mailboxes that placed $40,000 in your hand. But there's a string attached to it. Yes, the small matter of the rightful owner of the money. The other Mr. William Brown, upstairs in apartment 12. Your first impulse was to run away, wasn't it, Mr. Brown? Until you began to think how the man upstairs might begin putting things together. And there was something about him that told you he was not the kind to take this lying down. But there are a few things you can do. One of them, of course, is to call at the little gourmet shop first thing Monday morning. Ah, good day, Mr. Brown. Good day, Elsie. What can I do for you? Perhaps a case of that very fine brandy you're so fond of. Let me see a bottle. Of course, sir. Here you are. Hmm. Excellent. Good district. Exactly the right age. Tell you what, Elsie. I think we'll open this bottle right here. Mr. Brown. Mind if I borrow this corkscrew? Thank Mr. you. Mr. Brown, what... don't open that bottle. Now, two glasses, please. Brandy snifters, of course. If anyone should see us, Mr. Brown, I'll... I'll pour, Elsie. You and I are going to sample this. There. Santé. That's French for your very good health. Delicious, Elsie. First rate. Perfection. But, but Mr. Brown, that bottle cost nineteen ninety-five. Indeed, very reasonable. At that rate, Elsie, I believe I'll take a case. What? Have it delivered COD, will you? You know the address. Does it? Well, that takes care of all the measurements. Thank you, Herman. Uh, Herman's our best tailor. Now, don't go away, Herman. We may want something else. Uh, that's a beautiful suit, Mr. Brown. It's the newest thing out. And that uh, pinstripe uh, gives you height. Oh, yes. Yes, it does. And we can have it ready for you on, uh, say, uh, Wednesday? That'll do. Uh, fine. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll help you into the other things. No, wait. I'm not through. I'd also like something in the tweed and perhaps cashmere. Oh, of course, Miss Brown. Uh, sit right down, sir. I'll bring some things out. How very best. I'll just be a moment. Take your time. Is uh, this today's paper? Yes, the noon edition. Ah, the things that are going on in this town. Look at that headline. $40,000 held key in highway shooting. <gasps> What is this? I knew the fellow that got shot, Mike McKeon. I made a suit for him once. What uh, what sort of business was he in? Oh, you know, what kind aren't they in? The crowd that Mike ran around with had a string on all the rackets. I see. But look how they end up, with a bullet in the back. Uh, yes. Says here he was alive when the police found him. Mm-hmm. Died, though, before he could tell him enough. Just something about 40 grand he delivered to somebody. Only the other fellow claimed he... Never got it and shot him. Terrible, isn't it? People like that running around loose, you never know. Ah, here we are, Mr. Brown. Everything you'd ever want to choose from. Imported tweed, cashmere, worsted. Well, look, uh, some other time. Uh, that's you, I know. I forgot there's something I have to do. Uh, just alter this first suit and send it out. I'll be back. Well, you know best. Yes, Mr. Brown, you do know best. Because there isn't any question in your mind that the shooting of Mike McKeon, described in the papers, is directly related to your $40,000. 
It's strange, isn't it? How you've come to look upon the money as yours now. How you resent the strings attached to it. The man in the apartment above you. The struggle that must have taken place when Mike McKeon was shot. But you've long since decided that it isn't going to do them any good. If the trail leads back to you, you're going to have an answer to their questions. But one false step always requires another, doesn't it, Mr. Brown? And that's why, shortly after leaving the clothing store, you find yourself talking to a shoddy little man in an equally shoddy shop on the Lower East Side. And just what kind of a gun did you have in mind, uh, shoddy? Oh, I don't know. Something small, compact, an automatic, perhaps. Hmm. Uh, uh, what about the one in the case here on the end? 32? Nice little automatic. Dependable. Well, that ought to do. Let's see it. Uh, here it is. Oh, here you are. Second hand, of course, but uh, it's a good buy. It's fine. I'll take it. Mm, just like that, huh? Okay, well, let's see now. Uh, I'm supposed to write your name down there. Uh, what is it, huh? Why, uh, C.J. Uh, Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that'll be 25 hours, uh, Mr. C.J. Uh, uh, Wilson. <laughs> 20 for the gun and 5 for not asking questions. And there's something else, isn't there, Mr. Brown? Even with this new protection, the incident in the newspapers tells you that Now you've got to move out of the apartment, no matter what suspicions it might arouse. And late that night, you slip into the apartment building, hurry down the corridor to let yourself in. You're about to put the key in the lock when... Hello, Mr. Brown. Huh? Oh, it's... Mr. Brown, that's right. I, uh, am waiting for you. Oh? I thought we ought to have another little chat. No, but it's so late, I don't see why whatever it is can't wait until... can't wait at all, Mr. Brown. Come on. Where are we going? Upstairs. We can talk much better in my apartment. Now, look, Mr. Brown, there's no point in our going round and round about this. Like I said, I made one mistake. I don't want to make another. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about at all. Well, the most important thing I'm talking about is $40,000. That's quite a sum. Isn't it? Yeah, a man could do quite a bit on 40 G's. Buy things, travel. That's what I intended to do. I, uh, sort of need to travel, Mr. Brown. Your, uh, health? My, uh, health. Too bad. Yeah. You know, Mr. Brown, you're good. Really good. I don't understand. Oh, yes, you do. It's as simple as those two names in the mailboxes downstairs. Remember I said I might get some things intended for you? Oh, yes, and I might... Get some things intended for me. Now, how about it? Want to give it back? (laughs) You know, this doesn't make sense. Why, I never knew there was that much money in the world. Until last Friday, then you found out different, huh? I didn't find out anything. You say you made a mistake. You're making another one accusing me. I'm only accusing you of being human, Mr. Brown. You know, with the little weaknesses all of us have, well... I'd have done the same thing you did. I didn't do anything. Skip it. I just had to be sure this time, that's all. Mike McKean was right when he told me he put the money in the mailbox. I made a mistake with Mike, but I won't make a mistake with you. Because I... Well, 
You're full of surprises, aren't you? Even bought yourself a gun. It's loaded. I'm sure of it. And I, I'm not afraid to use it. Not now, a... there, I'm not so sure. Let's be reasonable about this, Mr. Brown. No, don't come near me. I'll shoot. We'll write off what you've me. spent so far. Don't come near me. Now, let's have the gun like a good little... I said I'd do it. I told you I'd do it. Yes, Mr. Brown, in that moment you found that you'd do anything to keep your $40,000, even kill a man. The thought brings your mind up short, and then impulse starts you toward the door, and the blood pounds in your head as you make your way to your own apartment. Open the door and get inside. Oh, oh Lord. Hope nobody saw me. Bed. Get into bed. That's where I should be. Huh? Oh, oh, well, uh, 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 yes? I'm sorry to disturb you so early in the morning, Mr. Brown. Oh, oh, oh. This is Mr. Simpkins, the manager. I wonder if you could come down to my office right away. Your office? But I'm not dressed. It's really uh, very important. All right, I'll come down. I don't know what to tell you, Lieutenant. This Brown who was killed was beyond me. I never knew what he did or what his business was. Uh, just a minute. Good morning. Oh, oh, this is the other William Brown, Lieutenant. Hello. How do you do? Something wrong? I'd say so. Uh, you a pretty sound sleeper, Mr. Brown? What? Oh, I'm sorry. I've... Hear anything unusual last night? Why, well, I don't know. I uh... Uh, About 11 o'clock. Well, I was in bed, of course. Uh... Oh, you said 11. No, that's right. 11. Yes, I, I remember. I looked at the clock. I I heard a door slam upstairs and somebody running past my door. Mm-hmm. Is that all? Yes, that's all. I thought it was probably one of Mr. Brown's. Friends. Uh, what do you know about Mr. Brown's friends? He uh, came to me the other day. He said he hoped his visitors wouldn't get our names confused. He he, he told me he had a lot of noisy friends. He uh, had indeed. Uh, any particular reason why you use the past tense there? I, I know. What's the matter? What about it, Mr. Simpkins? Well, no. Not this, Mr. Brown. He couldn't have done it. Okay. See, here, I wish you'd tell me. Sorry, Mr. Brown. I just had to make sure. Your friend upstairs was murdered last night. Murdered? But why would anyone kill Mr. Brown? His name wasn't Brown. It was Marco. Victor Marco. He was in the kind of business where people do get killed from time to time. Uh, you understand, Lieutenant. I had no way of knowing when I let him have the apartment. Yeah, he came here to hide out, of course. That's a revenge job, and I think I can put my finger on the guy who did it, if the thing is kept quiet. That means neither of you say anything to anybody about this until you see it in the papers. Is that clear? Uh, yes, Lieutenant. Oh, I yes, understand. Yes. Okay. Thanks to both of him. And Mr. Brown. Uh, yes? I'm sorry I was a little short with you. Oh, that's quite all right. However, Mr. Simpkins, with this sort of thing going on here, I, I'm afraid I'll have to move. I'm awfully sorry, Mr. Brown. I don't blame you. If it was me, I'd leave, too. And I wouldn't stop with this apartment, either. 
I'd leave the whole darn town flat. It's hard to believe, isn't it, Mr. Brown? Four days ago, you were a nobody. A dull little molecule in the tide of humanity that surges in and out of town at commuting hours. Today, you're important. A man of wealth. And somehow, the fact that you've murdered a man to get there doesn't matter anymore. On the morning after your talk with the police lieutenant, you're packing your things, making ready to leave when... Oh, oh must be... Some of the things I ordered are the moving people. Yes? Mr. Brown? Yes? Hope you don't mind the intrusion, Mr. Brown. Uh, see here. Now, what do you want? I'm sure. Mike McCain's friend. You've heard of me. Victor. Victor? Yeah. What are you talking about? I'm not Victor. You made a mistake. You made the mistake, Victor, out there on the highway. What highway? Listen, I tell you, my name's Brown. I don't know anything about... Shut you. up. I... Mike McCann was a nice guy, Victor. Mike said he delivered that dough. I know he did. You got it. Look, uh, I tell you, I'm not Victor. Look, uh, look at this apartment. Does it look like I have money? Wait a minute. Boys told me Victor was living here under the name of William Brown. He he, he was upstairs. There were two William Browns. Here, here, here's my business card. W.T. Brown, Crandall and Ames. I, I haven't any money. I, I'm just a clerk there. I make 45 a week. Two William Browns. Listen, are you on the level? Yes. I, I tell you, the other William Brown, the, the one upstairs, what... Just... Yeah, right there. I'll get it. Here's your brandy, Mr. Brown. Gourmet shop. Sign right here. You got the wrong... Hold it. Uh, how much is that? $230 each. Here's your soup, Mr. Brown. Wednesday morning, right on the nose. They're holding the tweed and cashmere for you. But I... A COD, $118 on this one. Uh, sorry, boys. Mr. Brown can't take care of it right now. Uh, try tomorrow, huh? But Mr. Brown insists. Well, this is COD, way. too. We can't make another trip just for... Skip it. No money, huh? Just a poor working stiff. They tell me you always did live well, Victor. Fancy suits, brandy by the case. You, you'll never get away with it. Yeah, yeah, no. They'll pick me up, all right. But one more is not going to make any difference, except to my friend Mike McKeon. Yeah, yeah, to Mike it'll make a lot of difference. So long, Victor. This time, your expensive taste caught up with you. That whistle be your signal for the signal oil program, The Whistler. Each Monday at this same time, brought to you by the Signal Oil Company, marketers of signal gasoline and motor oil and fine quality automotive accessories. Featured in tonight's story were Herb Butterfield and Jack Moyles. <laughs> 
The Whistler was produced by George W. Allen with music by Wilbur Hatch and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is Marvin Miller speaking for the Signal Oil Company. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's the Whistler with Fateful Friday from May 26, 1947, starring Bill Foreman as the Whistler, sponsored by Signal Oil, as heard on CBS. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next week, it's Dragnet, Our Miss Brooks, Gunsmoke, The Lives of Harry Lime, The Jack Benny Program, and Murder by Experts. From my co-host Lisa Wolf, executive producer Mike Costella, engineer Sam Wolf, Vincent Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother Vince Amari, Adam West, and me, Carl Amari, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe out there. We'll see you next time.